Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. I'm Emma Gannon, the host of this podcast and the author of the book with the same name, Control-Alt-Delete, How I Grew Up Online, which is available now. So today's guest is the brilliant Cariad Lloyd. She is an award-winning actor, improviser, comedian and writer. So basically a very amazing performer in lots of different ways. She has appeared in Peep Show, Have I Got News For You and QI. She's been improvising for 10 years and is one of the creators of Ostentatious, the improvised Jane Austen novel, who have had four sellout Edinburgh festivals and are now performing in London and they also have a UK tour. If you go on ostentatiousimpro.com forward slash shows, you can find all the forthcoming dates for Edinburgh, London and the UK tour. I really, really recommend going to see them. They are hilarious, very talented, and and basically it just makes me love improv because what an amazing thing to not know what you're in for um, and for the cast not to know either. So it's excellent. So I had a great time with Cariad. Uh, we talk about lots of different things like Cariad's inspirations behind getting into comedy, why improv has a bit of a stigma still to it, and also how to get into the industry as well. So hope you enjoy this one. Here it is. Okay. I don't know why I do that. <laughs> I like pretend oh, I'm like nice. some sort of 80s radio DJ. Sorry. Because oh, that's what I have in mind. I'll have a really normal conversation and I'm like, so welcome. And then I think, it's just so awkward to go into podcast mode. <laughs> it is. And like the first, like, so hello, is like yeah. really the awkward anxiety bit. But anyway, hi, podcast listeners. Um, <laughs> hello and welcome to <laughs> Podcast FM with Emma and Cariad. From my tiny spare room in Hackney. Um, very excited to have Cariad Lloyd with me. AKA Lady Cariad. <laughs> it's so embarrassing, that's my Twitter handle. I love that. I can't change it, otherwise I'll lose my blue tick. <laughs> exactly, I tried that's to very important. It. I tried to change it, because Lady Cariad, I did when it, Twitter first came out, because I was in a double act with my friend Tom. It was like way when I first started doing comedy, and our double act was called Major Tom and Lady Cariad. Oh. So when I did Twitter, I was like, oh yeah, fine, before I knew Twitter would ever be a thing, and now I'm stuck, and then some people are like, oh, Ooh, lady. I'm like, no, it's a mistake I made six years ago. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, you're an actual lady. <laughs> yes. Wow. That's right. Yeah, so um, Cariad is an awesome comedian slash, is it improviser? Mm. Improv. Um, improviser, yeah. And lots of other things, TV, the stage, just lots of things. And I was looking... Like awful people who does everything. I know, but me too. It's like, what do you do? Uh, That's the worst question. Especially yeah. when, like, grandparents ask me. Yeah. I'm like, I just don't, just please don't ask. I say performer. Yeah. Or like writer, performer, because it's like if I say all the things, I sound awful. Mm-hmm. I do this and this and this and this. It's just like you know, it's only because they don't all pay very well, so you have to. They all pay well collectively, yeah. but you couldn't just do one of them. I know that's like what it's like for me. I'm like, well, I do all these things because I kind of have to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, performer, performer. Is, is more of a better dis- uh, description. So um, I was just thinking, looking at your show reel earlier, and um, I'm so sorry. No, it's so good. Um, but it's so different, all of the roles that you've done. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. I guess because I came through, like, character stand-up and improv. Yeah. So my favourite thing to do is play different things. Yes. Like, I don't like being me. <laughs> <laughs> so my biggest thing is, like, how can I be a thousand different things? Yeah, and you are, and, that sh- and it just really shows off the fact that you are, like, can play 
totally different things. So um, I wanted to start off with um, asking about improv because I guess that's what you're you've been doing the longest, is it? Yeah, and I am ten like, years. Yeah, I've been doing improv for ten years, and if you talk if you talk to me about anything, I'll eventually bring it back to improv. Yeah. Like I'm so boring. <laughs> I did a TV show once with all these like there's loads of men in the cast, and I. I didn't know how much I talked about improv till literally every time I opened my mouth they were like, oh, is it improv again? <laughs> is it improv, carry out? Is it something to do with improv? I was like, oh, I guess I talk about it quite a lot. Yeah, it's, oh, improv it's, is like... It's so cool, though. I think there's not that many yeah. people like really championing it and I really think of you whenever I think of improv. I'm like, yes. It wasn't... The thing I think is when I started 10 years ago, it was really small and there wasn't many people doing it and there wasn't many women doing it, which mm-hmm. is why... Um, people like myself, Pippa Evans and Ruth Bratt were like what, like the few women at that time in London uh, that I was aware of, I'll get in trouble <laughs> that's all I knew um, and so, and whenever I used to talk about it to other people they'd be really disparaging or oh yeah I still remember I hate it uh, it's really crap, what did you see, our oh, student show oh right, mm. and so I think I became <laughs> like a member of a cult or a member of a sort of highly criticised religion <laughs> like someone has to stick up for this poor thing and now there's like loads of classes and loads of schools and like I mean honestly there was three groups when I started now there's hundreds yeah so but I feel like I have to keep championing it because so many people still to this day go uh it's really boring or I don't like it and it makes me so angry because you'd never say oh I saw step up you know step up to step up to the streets I don't like films like you'd know you you would go well you should watch Casablanca like or you should watch some other things but with improv they go oh I saw my student group do it I didn't like it like, yeah hmm. it is true there is a stigma attached to it, it. Is, well the thing about improv is not cool like it's really not cool although there's been a bit of a like kind of resurgence of it because all of the magazines are like the thing that you should do guys is go to improv like you'll meet new people and like get out of your comfort zone but what I find difficult about that like I love that people are talking about it that's brilliant but they do try and put because they're magazines they try and put a spin on it of like Mm -hmm. it's cool I've not I've heard that people are going to find dates (laughs) oh my god I know good luck (laughs) because I you do get like I know a lot of people who got married other improvisers but don't go look Go for yourself. Go for fun. Because there's some just some weird people who do improv. Yeah. Surely you have to like lose all inhibitions. Yeah. If you're trying to find a date, like if you're trying to yeah. go on dates from it, you're obviously not going to be like your true freakish self. Exactly. Yeah. No, you have to be. That's why I think it's so important to have like improv isn't cool, and that's what makes it cool is that it's about not caring, being your absolute true six-year-old self, and just. And I always say like it's you have to be an idiot. So if you come with any pretense of like, well, I, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna make sure I look good, you'll never be the greatest improviser you can be. That's my teaching speed, because you, you know, when I'm teaching, I'm always like, I'll do something really stupid straight away to be like, I'm gonna look like an idiot. I expect you to look like an idiot. Like yeah. we all need to look like idiots. Because if we all do, then no one will feel stupid. But if there's one person being like, you guys are so lame. Then, <laughs> then we all suddenly think oh god we're so lame um, but it's yeah. that's what I love about it it doesn't care it's not trying to be cool it's that's it's not trying to it, it's not trendy it doesn't it doesn't matter what you're wearing or what you look like you could be the most awkward socially unacceptable person in real life but you can be the most brilliant improviser like yeah. it's like you know when you're in a brainstorm and like no one wants to say an idea because yes, they're yeah, scared yeah. of looking stupid and it's like come on just break the ice and then we'll all just come up with the best ideas ever exactly so the big principle of improv is yes and that's like number one rule so whatever you say i have to yes and it which is my my mantra like as an improv as in life like that's such a great 
rather than me going, oh, Emma, that's a terrible idea, and me being like, hey, Emma, yeah, that's a good idea, and we can build on it this way. Yeah. And if you do that, you discover there's no bad ideas, mm. there's no bad people, there's no bad, like, there's nobody who's, you know, you might think, oh, I can't work with them. You can if you work with them, yeah. not against them. But, like, those are lessons that don't work in real life very well. Yeah. So I've never done it, and I'm fascinated by it. With the sort of, like, unfiltered nature of going all in, <laughs> yeah. is there, like, a second in your brain where you're, like, checking that you should say that? Or is it literally just, like, doing it? I think when you first start, like, when you're teaching, like, what we call, like, level one beginners, like, people... I always say, you're going to say something really offensive or possibly even, like, <laughs> will shock you. It will shock your classmates. But, like, you, we call it, like, you're in the safe space. Yeah. You're in a class. And we all accept that brains brains are like toddlers and they sometimes throw shit <laughs> and that's okay because you just go it's just words it didn't mean anything and you obviously didn't mean it you were panicking and the, the more you do like yeah I'm basically I'm like a machine that's trained not to think so the moment I go on stage I turn off every single part of my brain oh, that so questions cool. everything which is really good if you're a questioner like which I think yeah. is why you get like it's popular because if you're someone who's anxious or worries all the time oh, I shouldn't have said that why did I do that you can't in improv it's mm. so nice to have an hour off from your brain um but do you ever watch it back then like um, on recordings or anything no i don't i've watched a couple back but i feel like it's so present it's such a theater of them food of the moment mm. um awful things. no i love that i think that's why i love theater yeah. it is so in the moment it's so in the every moment. Cl- every show is different isn't it yeah slightly although i will say you can buy a dvd of ostentatious <laughs> oh <laughs> really can. amazing yeah you can watch an old show which actually we one night um the show i do ostentatious improvised jane austen show we all sat around and watched the dvd because some of us hadn't hadn't couldn't face watching it and i actually enjoyed it i was like oh this is quite funny <laughs> like, yeah yeah i bet um, you like forgot that you did it or did a sentence yeah I've got loads of stuff yeah because you laughter affects your short term memory as well so you often don't you know you forget what you've said or what someone did and isn't that so true life when you're like oh we couldn't breathe the other night over that joke what was it yeah it breaks up your short term memory and so you 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 struggle which is why after seeing stand up or something you you go oh it was a joke about yeah, about shoes. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. your brain was laughing. And then you're like, oh, I had to be there, can't recreate it. Yeah, cringe. Yeah. <laughs> your brain was laughing. It wasn't going. Okay, remember yeah. this. So how did that idea come about? Because I mean, it's like the the biggest word of mouth name I heard at Edinburgh last year, and oh, obviously it's been going longer than that. But I feel like I'm a bit late to it, to be honest. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love it. Um, but the the fact that um, it's an improvised Jane Austen novel, is it? Is yes. that the longer um, title yeah, of an it? An improvised Jane Austen novel, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's genius. Well, How we did it were, come about? We were so jammy because um, we were all... We'd all been improvising while else. It's been going five years and we'd all, we were all from different sort of bits of improv. Four of them were in a group called the Oxford Imps, which is kind of based out of Oxford Uni, but not. It doesn't. you don't have to go to Oxford Uni to do it. So Andy, Rachel, Amy and Joe <coughs> all went to Oxford Imps and were in this group and they came back to London and um, Amy and Rachel were just like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to do like Jane Austen themed because they really liked Jane Austen. Andy and Rachel studied Jane Austen at Oxford, so they are like, they're like heart experts in it. <laughs> and Hardcore then, Oh, they, yeah, like <laughs> they've read everything. And then Amy knew um, me and Graham through, through different improv groups and she just said to us, oh, we're going to have a rehearsal. Do you want to come along? And at the time, I was like doing drop-ins with so many other groups that, I'm, you know, I was really at my bottom. I was like... 
I'm not going to go to anyone's stupid ideas. Like, I don't want to go. And it was in West London. And I was like, what's the point? I'm going to get there. It's going to be crap. You know, you're really grumpy. And I walked into the room and they started improvising. And I literally was like, shit, they're really good. I have to, like, like carry out Jimmy's in the sun. Like, they might not want you. Because <laughs> I've been so, like, I'll see how I go. So we all just like Jane Austen. And we all, um, yeah, we all kind of found it easy to speak in that way and had read the books or you know i mean i was obsessed with 1995 pmp the greatest tv adaptation ever oh, yes um and so i it was kind of like oh we could you could live there for an hour and the first show we did was above a pub to 12 people Brilliant. and they, they just really liked it and we had we had loads of fun and then next like the next month there was like 20 people and we were like oh that's good and the next month we had to move venues because they couldn't fit wow. in and then we moved to this other this pub and angel and then like the people queuing around the corner we were like this is it literally has been like that every stage of the game and then we took it to edinburgh because we were like oh i think this would go well in edinburgh the first day we had 60 people and all of us were like where have they come from this is crazy the next day they were queuing like honestly it was like insane it went round awesome. completely around the road and we were like what <laughs> what is happening and that was free fringe our first year yeah. and it just went it just went mad it, it just, just came out of nowhere genius idea because everyone loves Jane Austen and everyone loves like the scandal and like yeah. the kind of you know it's quite funny I find like Jane Austen books like there are she's so she's, funny she's witty she's hilarious. and also those stories are so universal aren't they I think we got re- we got really lucky in that our, the author we just casually decided to do we didn't realise how popular she was at all like honestly like there's Jane Austen festivals people come to our shows in costume in Bath like hardcore fans and there's like a book out I think last Christmas which is like Jane Austen text messages or something oh yeah it's like Christmas stocking to the max oh there's so much like she's the original spin-off series like (laughs) there's so much stuff and I think what's really good is even if you've never seen or read Jane Austen you kind of you kind of know that world mm. of like okay the women have fans and the men are in military jackets and they sort of a bit, a bit grumpy so you, I always say to people even if you've never read one you will you know we're spoofing that world yeah. so you'll get it and um like the other thing she does is she writes really brilliant characters so it's not like I think Dickens is like a real describer uh, even though his characters are amazing a lot of his brilliance is the description whereas Jane is all about characters mm. and all about their interaction and that all about the dialogue yeah which for improv goes well that's we can we can do this then we can mm. adapt it and do it improvised and yeah. as long as we speak in that way and have those good characters yeah then you'll enjoy it definitely but I love that that it is word of mouth because I just really believe in that where it's yeah. just like you tell your friends and then they all want to go and then Been you're so sold on the fact that it's a spoof of Jane Austen yeah and I think having done improv for 10 years and honest to god trying to get people into a straight improv show mm-hmm. being like hey it's just some people making stuff up oh, we don't know what it's very hard to fly but as soon as you could say to people oh it's Jane Austen it like gave them something to go oh okay I get it like yeah. that's the first door you're immediately in really yeah, with yeah. the idea and I think again it wasn't we weren't being cynical we weren't like oh this is a way to make money but once we started doing it we were like oh this is a really good way to do improv and mm. slightly trick people and we tour we do like tours around the country we've got a big one coming up in October, November, and um, where are you going? Oh, we're going everywhere. In October. We're going like twenty-one day tour, wow. like in a proper van. Our first proper like That's tour. That's amazing. Van. I know. It's God, it's really grown. And what's really nice, we went down to Worthing last year. We had toured last year as well, and. 
this lady came up and she was like, oh, I didn't come for the improv. I came because it's Jane Austen. I've never seen improv and I don't like comedy, but I really enjoyed this. And I was like, oh my God, we're a gateway drug. <laughs> like, this, is, <laughs> this is so exciting because this is this art form that I adore, but it's really hard to get people to trust. Mm. And yet we've managed to find a way that this, you know, old lady who never goes to see comedy had to come for an hour and seen comedy and gone, oh, yeah. I like it. And I was like, this is That's so exciting. Awesome. It must have done wonders for the industry for the improv industry because if you think about it I always think of this like if one thing does well like if one book is a bestseller it's like it's good for all books it's good for all it's good for everything and because I I mean improv was everywhere last year at Edinburgh I saw it I think um, ourselves and Showstopper who we also who do the improvised musical who we're very Mm. good friends with I'm so proud of what they've done like they won an Olivier this year (gasps) and then what we're doing as well like you you don't want to (laughs) blow your own trumpet Um, but I do feel very proud that Mm. it's starting to be taken more seriously and you know especially producers and TV and radio start sort of going oh okay so you sell out to 400 people every day perhaps perhaps people do like improv and you're like they do it it can be really fun it doesn't have to be you know stand up or scripted like there is you know because I grew up watching Whose Lines Anyway and I I adored I adored that programme yeah. so much yeah. and it breaks my heart that there isn't something yeah. like 14 year old me now could watch absolutely and I love I used to watch that religiously oh, when I was I like in my sort of younger teens Yeah. and I guess one thing I did want to ask you is in normal situations I've, I've seen and it's like I'm talking about myself here more than anyone else I find it hard to say like me yeah or um I find it hard to put myself forward or I find men quite intimidating to be honest yeah, in a yeah. lot of situations and you've obviously been on panel shows like QI and what what has that been like yeah it's just- I, I run a class which is just for girls like oh cool I can't I had a funny name for it and I've forgotten <laughs> I think what I've noticed recently is because it's now more popular, so there's more women doing it. So when I said there was just there was just less of us, so there wasn't such a marked difference. It's a it's male dominated definitely in the same way that stand up is. Uh, less so, there are more women that do it. Um, when I started, so I said there was me, Pip, and Ruth really were the girls that I knew, and I cannot. This is my crap psychological theory. Me, Pip, Evans, and Ruth Bat all have older brothers. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you that that is why we t- did improv at a time when no other girls were doing it. Because we have this thing, <laughs> which we will not let men talk over us. Because we both have, all three of us have big brothers. And I've said this to him of like, it, I have this thing of like, you know you wouldn't, I will not do that. Like, I am a real little sister. And I'm small, <laughs> I'm really short, and I'm, you know... <laughs> sometimes small and um, I will elbow my way onto that stage and I will not be ignored because I had a big brother who ignored me for a long time and that was my role and I think that also helps me with panel shows because I feel exactly the same I feel like I'm with my big brother and his mates and they all think I don't have anything to say and I'm gonna fucking prove to you I do know that and I am gonna tell like this six-year-old appears in me which is like I will not be left out of the game Um, and I think that's what helped me but I do, it breaks my heart when I see female improvisers not jumping forward or doubting themselves or um, we have this thing like tag out so you like taps on the shoulder and you, you can start a new scene and I watch men tag out women constantly mm. and 
so that's why I ran the workshops. I've only run a few. But I love that to try and say just just jump in. You know, like yeah. like it doesn't. I always say, what are they doing that you want to do? You know, like don't criticize those men. It's not all men. Not all men. Hashtag not all men. <laughs> but if there's one that really dominates you, well, Cause tag him out. Yeah. Like, He's never been tagged out before. He isn't used to it. He doesn't know how it feels. He's not interrupted. People listen to everything he says. Mm -hmm. He's not used to it. So you maybe just need to train him a little bit in what it feels like and have him go, oh, oh, I was halfway through a sentence. And you're like, yeah, was that annoying? Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened to me. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's really true. I mean, I feel really privileged because I've been so lucky to go on these panel shows and I'm not a stand-up. So when I go on them, I feel a lot less pressure. Like, I'm not someone who... I do feel like, well, I'm an actor and writer and I sort of slot into a slot, like a position slightly over here. That means if I'm not the funniest, it's not mm-hmm. the end of my career. Whereas, you know, the Sarah Pascoe, Catherine Ryan, Ashley B, you know, Holly Walsh, um, my brain's gone blank, um, Tiff Stevenson, like all of those people, like that's their job is being themselves and being funny. So I can see like for them. It's more of a pressure sometimes, yeah, I guess. Yeah, massive pressure. I bet, yeah. And also like, it, you know, the quotas, ma- like, it matters a lot to them I mean it does obviously it matters to me but I feel very lucky to not have mm. I'm not selling a stand-up tour on the strength of being on like have I got news for you or QI or something yeah I'm selling like an improv show yeah. or uh, you know but it's awesome to on their shows just in general <laughs> it's nice it's fun I've been really lucky actually I haven't had any like terrible experiences yeah. some are nicer than others 100% and some some of the male comedians are nicer than others yeah. but it's exciting times because I just did I recorded QI which hasn't come out yet with Sandy Toxpick hosting oh. and it was incredible it was incredible like I found that so exciting and Stephen was an amazing host brilliant really nice guy but to have a woman yeah. as the host it completely changed the dynamic and I I you know I don't want to like upset anyone but like I think maybe it's harder for men to notice that but as a woman on that panel I and not being any woman and having the other woman being in a position of authority made it feel very different yeah. and there's another one that Sue Perkins hosts um, it's called like my insert name here okay. which is really a really nice show and they have a mixture of comics and sort of TV personality mm. people and I love that show it's really funny and relaxed and it just has a different vibe yeah I think, like, you know, like all things feminist moment, like, it's changing, it's slow process, the small things should be celebrated, but it doesn't mean you stop, and... Yeah. For me, it's about having, like, um, someone to look up to in, in a way of, like, yes. I can do that. So, yeah. like, if I see, like, you, or, like, when I saw um, that spoof YouTube video that you did, which was, like, Bad Blood... Oh, yeah, the Taylor Swift yeah, one. Yeah, and I just kind of thought, like, it's just a load of girls, like, being really funny. It, that That's important for just younger girls to look at that and be like oh I could I could make something yeah. funny so I think when I'm watching like whose line is it anyway in my bedroom when I'm 12 it's like I love it but I'm like I can't see that I could do that at well, that time for me that's why I still hold a huge massive crush on a woman I now get to work with which is Josie Lawrence because she me Pippa and Ruth have said like she absolutely insp- like I thought it was possible because Josie did it and even though I wanted to be Ryan Styles, I didn't want to be Jones because I didn't sing as much. I was more like stupid sound effects stuff. But I, you know, I'm doing the comedy store tonight with Josie and Oh wow. I still get moments where I stand on stage and I'm like, Josie Lawrence, Josie Lawrence! Because that completely was one of the few. Yeah. And I think that's again for me, like it was people like Victoria Wood, Julie Waters, Julia Davis, um, 
you know, all those much more sketchy comedy sitcom people yeah. that inspired me because I you don't do stand up. Um, but I think it's so exciting now if, to see people like you know Sarah Nashling and um, Rasheen being on these shows. I watched Rasheen on Have I Got News for You, and she was just amazing. She was so funny and so clever, and I was like. Guess it's so. This is so exciting. And then Catherine just hosted one. That's great that there is that. I mean, there's m- always more work to do because I yeah. grew up when there was a Smack the Pony on as well. Oh yes, love which that. We don't have I always felt about. a bit like rebellious watching that. I always <laughs> felt like I shouldn't be watching it. But it wasn't even that rude. It, it was like there's yeah. just a sketch where like they're in a bra shop, and I'm yeah. like oh, bra. I like I, li- I must have been really young then, like eight or nine. I love to get embarrassed by bras. Yeah. What? The sketch where they're at the swimming pool and she's like, um, oh, I didn't wax. And her friend's like, oh, I'm sure Oh, it's my fine. God, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. And then she's like, literally, oh, uh. And I remember at the time not laughing and not understanding, as you always do when you're a kid, like, eh, what? Yeah, like, what's that? <laughs> what, why is that bad? But yeah, we don't have a, you know, I do think we've got still got work to do. There's an amazing show. Well, obviously, in America, they've got the Amy, Amy Schumer show, which is brilliant. And then if you watch Broad City. Broad City, yeah. Which I just, oh, God. I mean, I mean, that is my like number one crush at the moment. Oh, I love it's it. Just two girls. One's an idiot. The other's more of an idiot. <laughs> you don't get that in British sitcoms. No, I don't, don't think. At not, the moment. not yet. Anyway. Not yet. Yeah. And she's uh, those those two. They're improvisers. They came through UCB. Uh, I love that little sketch. I don't know if it's from. It must be from an episode. I haven't actually watched them all, but they're in the back of the car doing their makeup over speed bumps. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just silly things like that, where it's like, yeah, that that is that happens. The amazing in the latest season, she's on the plane and she packs her tampons in her suitcase, but they won't let her have it as a carry-on because it's too big. Even though she got it from like the evil Longoria like, suitcase range, <laughs> so they're trying to make a tampon out of things on a plane. <laughs> Uh, the whole episode is just Alana being like looking for things that, like can I make this a tampon and Abby being like it's so heavy dude she's like why she's like it's first day man and I was watching it crying with laughter and my husband was like he was laughing but you, it, that thing where you're yeah. like I haven't seen this before I haven't seen chewing gum as well I yeah. absolutely love I just love it I think it's exciting when it hasn't happened like I think this is my, my other theory is like I grew up watching, um, so my favourite sitcoms are like Blackadder, Red Dwarf, Alan Partridge, like very, very male dominated. And I think women are trained to understand um, male humour. So because it's such a dominant force, mm. so I think as a child I learned that like, you know, like Lister being hungover was funny and that he had at curry was funny, like because men who are disgusting are fun. I learned mm. that. And I think that's the problem when they when some people go, Oh, women aren't as funny, I go, No, you you haven't been forced to understand the jokes. So you don't know that it's funny that she's trying to make a tampon out of a you know, a skull cap and some string. Like, you don't know that. Because you haven't been like <laughs> Sorry. It, see yeah exactly yeah. oh it's incredible um, <laughs> and I keep talking about tissues like can't you just wedge it up and she's like I can it's so much so powerful and um, I really think you know I, I remember being a kid and being like okay I don't get it but oh okay you know only fools and horses right that's what's funny about these two yeah. men that I understand now and I think that's the problem is just there's a female female vocabulary of humour that is just new Yeah. and I think it's just taking it takes those people to break the mould as they have been, you know, long, you know, even people before the new generation like the Joe Brands and Jenny Eclairs and all that to then, for people to go, oh, I see that, 
I yeah. do, I understand what you're doing, but I think a lot of time it's just new language yeah. to people. Or it's like, not even new language, it's just new that it's out there. Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, we're having these hilarious conversations all the yeah. time, but it's like, well, where where is it in the mainstream? I know, and I thought, I mean, I don't want to quote her because I'll probably get it wrong, but there was that Jermaine Greer quote when she was like, well, women aren't, you know, they, they don't banter in the way that men do. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry if I'm misquoting you, Jermaine. <laughs> but I remember thinking, well, that's just not my experience of it because yeah. I some of the funniest people I know are women and I had a lot of you know I have a lot of female friends at school we would just make each other cry laughing about things and it wasn't being bitchy or talking about boys it was like stupid things that made us laugh yeah and so I do think just the more women that can obviously be seen doing it because it's so important that the 10 year old girl sees at least one woman yeah it's exactly. really important so that she might think oh oh I understand and that that woman makes jokes that another woman would find funny yeah no exactly because that's it I feel like sometimes I'm uh, like brainwashed in a way of like what's funny and it's like well hang on a minute a it's up to you individually but b like give me some some options yeah yeah um but then I guess it's it's important as well then for more women to be behind the scenes making the decision so it's yeah. like someone like is higher up going right I'm gonna select my panel why are people leaning towards the same thing still I know and the BBC um, the comedy feeds they just announced there's not a single woman on them so I did a comedy feed about three years ago which was a huge opportunity for me and I'm so grateful and I'm you know they, the list they just announced is actually it's very racially diverse and um, you know that's great but I do think if you're making I think they're making six pilots would be to not have one woman mm. on there, I find hard to understand how that decision got made. But I think it's because the BBC often it's like there's lots of different departments and some that indies are mm. making it in-house and it is really tricky. I mean, I, I have to say when you when you talk to producers, they feel the same way. It's not like there's one person being like, no, we don't like women. They want more women, they want more female voices. I think Fleabag is a great example. Mm-hmm. again of like you know Fleabag and Chewing Gum have been two massive yeah. female driven comedies that have done really well Catastrophe as well written by Sharon mm-hmm. and Rob strong female point of view so it is changing and I don't think we should stop like we shouldn't stop moaning about it yeah <laughs> but people are trying I just it's just a very slow process yeah you know unfortunately sure. and um, I think commissioners are like wanting it oh god I mean I feel like I sort of feel like such an old woman but like this next generation with YouTube and mm. the fact that you can film a sketch by yourself with your mate like that's incredible I did not have that growing up like yeah. you know the most you could do is send it off to you be afraid yeah <laughs> like, that was about <laughs> all you could do with something so it will change you've it will been change. framed is that Still, is that still going on? My mum's favourite programme, mate. She <laughs> loves it. She honestly thinks that's the funniest thing that Sydney's ever seen. So, um, finally, I just wanted to ask, um, career-wise, like, it's so amazing to see you doing all these different things. Do you think to people who want to get into comedy, like, how has it been just taking risks on things and having this merge of, like, doing ostentatious, obviously, that you just kind of created yourselves versus getting into TV and getting into doing things for the BBC. Yeah. Like, do you think it's different now? I don't know. I think with comedy, and that's why I love it so much, is that the main thing is just keep making your own work. Because I was an actor, first of all, and mm. <laughs> I was just, like, nobody called me. And I was in a lot of terrible, terrible fringe plays. Terrible. That would make my family sit through. And they'd say to me afterwards, hmm... <laughs> lovely 
right, well, we better get the tube. <laughs> like, uh, awful, uh-huh. awful fringe face. And once I realised, and I said, like, myself and Sarah Pascoe have been friends for years and she discovered stand-up and I discovered improv and we were like, oh, these are things you can do without someone giving you permission. You don't have to wait. You just do it. And I think that is the most powerful thing you can do. Like, I'm sort of I'm sort of helping these two, like, 19-year-old girls who want to get into comedy and stuff at the moment and they keep saying to me, oh, but how did you do that? And how did, who asked you to do that? And you're like, you can't wait for those things. You just have to make your cake. And if you keep making your cake, other people will be like, hey, can you make me a cake? Yeah. <laughs> That's my great metaphor. <laughs> so I think... And have a slice. <laughs> have a slice, yeah. Like, all the BBC, all the TV stuff that came after I'd written my Edinburgh show. So I gigged for two, like, maybe two, three years. And then I re- put it all into my first Edinburgh mm-hmm. hour. And that hour is how I got an agent. That's yeah, how... Yeah. Like, up until that moment, I was a full-time temp. <laughs> a bad temp really fired quite a lot people really hated me I used to put my feet on the desk and bring my knitting in I was awful and that change you know like I produced my own work produced my own show I did everything by myself I had no agent no PR nothing and everything came from it's amazing from that yeah so I always say to people like there's always something you can be doing you can always you could be you know go and do stand up go and do improv go and do sketch like get Mm. your friends together film some videos even if they're fucking awful <laughs> just do it just like I can't, I can't say it, like just do it because you'll learn that's the thing we the problem we have is this perfectionism of like oh well I watch Amy Schumer I want to do that so yeah. like, you're not going to do that now yeah. I love Amy Schumer's story because um, and, and like what you're saying about Edinburgh and just putting it out there and growing because it's a similar thing really that you look back at her old stuff yeah. and you look back at the fact that she wasn't even famous like two years ago or yeah. whatever famous means successful or whatever in her field but it's like people probably must assume that you're just like on QI and that you were like born like oh, flying yeah they but just, actually they totally assume like that was and I remember so I was um friends with Sarah when it really like her life just you know changed overnight and I remember there was loads of articles calling her an overnight success and we were <gasps> like you know she'd been working since she was 18 doing performance stuff and I hate that phrase yeah and it's the it's just the story it's the narrative like people don't like the truth which is oh there was years of really boring work and mistakes and awful things and just terrible terrible decisions and then I got here yeah and people want to you know where's the magic wand you just did this overnight I'm sure you must get this oh I get that all the time I'm like oh my god if only you knew yeah but then um I really my thing that I really want to do if I had time is make realistic wicked pages oh amazing so it'd be like amy schumer was born and then she like had a really shit job oh my and then God. she had like a rubbish stand-up gig that everyone hated and then and then it's like all this stuff and then it's at the end like and then she got her show i think that is such a good idea because i could list every single place oh. i tempt for so long yeah. like i mean in virus shout out guys i was there for <laughs> so long like yeah the thing that changed my life which i talk about a lot but it makes me sound like such a hippie but i did a book called the artist way by Julia Cameron if anyone out there is listening and is like I wish I did that and I'm not good enough it's such a good Mm. she's an ex-alcoholic so it's a 12 week programme she knew what she was doing (laughs) and um, you basically like you just do exercises each week and as it goes on you confront more and more why you stop yourself being creative and I remember like that's why I talked about the quarter club like I had to really hit rock bottom and I all my friends were successful stand-ups I wasn't doing anything and I did this book and I treated it like I treated it like school in a way I never treated school <laughs> like I did what I was told I did every single exercise 
I followed everything and then I was like oh because I'm so afraid of failing I'm not doing anything which mm-hmm. is so ironic because improv is all about failing and I'm yeah. so happy to fail over there in improv but when it came to writing I was like no writing is precious and writing is special and you must only do it if you're good mm-hmm. and I it was like it was like someone smacked me in the face with a hammer <laughs> just only like just do it you'll be shit and then you'll get better yeah and if you just accept that it's so easy it's like the easiest thing hard to sit down and write but if you try and think no I want to be this I want to be mm. you know this person who's doing really well or I, I'll never be as good as them you know all of this stuff you just have to start bad <laughs> just yeah, be bad so true and have teeny weeny little goals yeah, yeah and that's why it's so funny when you end up doing crazy big things because you're like well my goal actually was just to like you know get this tiny thing published yeah, or yeah. do this or like I remember like my first article that I got in a magazine I was like I'm done she talks about a lot of like um, the humil- having the humility to begin and the mm. small steps because all I wanted was to stop temping like that was it I was yeah. like I don't really care what I do I just want to stop temping because I don't like it I just want to perform mm. and then when you go on something like QI I never I never ever thought I'd end up on QI like I'm there, like, pinching myself, going, this is fucking amazing. And, you know, if I'd just gone on QI once, that would have been like, well, what a great story, guys. Thanks so much. <laughs> like, you feel like a fan, yeah. you know. And um, it's just just the small steps of, like, just doing one gig, writing five minutes of material. Just mm. start there. Because it's a long road, and I don't... I don't also think... You don't stop. You don't get yeah. to a point... Sarah says this a lot, like people look at her and be like oh well you're done now it's like you always want to do something more you always want to create more so you yeah you know it doesn't go away this magic oh I'm now I'm successful like you don't feel like that ever (laughs) I know and that's and that's um I love that that it's a long road because I always think like if you're in this game of like creativity or like arts it is a long haul it never stops which is exhausting (laughs) and terrifying but also exciting I thought that people like just kind of once they did one thing that they were proud of they could just they just kind of like they were like oh whatever I'll just stop now (laughs) and it's like no one does that but same it wasn't until I started doing TV stuff and meeting people that I considered absolute heroes and hearing them go oh you know I've got to do this I'm trying to work out and I'd be like how comes you're unhappy like but you're you you're everything I ever want like people know who you are and you're brilliant at your job and and then I was like oh it doesn't matter no, it doesn't matter what always you've done to probably do something else yeah and that's that's what makes you a creative person that's what yeah. gets you up in the morning that's what drives you to go okay what's the next idea what I should do yeah and I think if you just accept you just yeah it's a really long journey and yeah. every and to bit enjoy of it is interesting it. Yeah, yeah try and enjoy it because I always say that like my first Edinburgh when it went so crazy I found it really hard to enjoy because I was just like what the fuck is happening to me <laughs> like what is going on and now I'm just saying to people like just enjoy it like you people like what you're doing right now there'll come a point where they might stop liking what you're doing so just enjoy the bit where they like it and then when they don't like it go okay well what next what do i need what do i want to do like what's the next person it's it's hard but good yeah (laughs) oh love that thanks for coming on the podcast thanks for having me thank you If you liked this episode, please remember to leave a review or a rating on iTunes. It would mean so much to me. Also, um, tweet me at girllostincity on Twitter. I'd love to hear your feedback. So thanks so much again for listening and make sure you tune in next week. Bye.